But we will get there. Okay. <laughs> we will get Teaching there. You well, you're working backwards. Let's see. Starting with asceticism. So what does that mean? Now, now we'll go back to the second one. Then we'll uh, finally get to the there first one. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well, the thing is, we could do that because everybody knows here what legalism is, right? But we'll look at it anyway. Um, and there are really two things that he's talking about here. Basically, diet and days. <laughs> People telling you what you can and can't eat and what days that you can worship God. Right. So the legal system involves those, those kind of days uh, and, and diets. Circumcision has already been introduced. We're talking about legalism, and he has already shown what a true circumcision is. It's a spiritual circumcision of the heart. So taking in with the, that the outward aspect of it. So there was some who were saying that the way to God and to a spiritual higher fullness and level is to return to the dietary laws. What a drag. <laughs> Here we are. We have been made triumphant in Christ, and now it's like, let's go back to the food thing now. Let's get under the law of the food, certain things you cannot eat. We had something really good the other day. Tony brought in, uh -oh. and it was pork tenderloin. Uh -oh. And I'll tell you what, I enjoyed that stuff. But you know what? A lot of people say, pork, you can't eat. Oh, that would be Jews, right? How about Muslims? Are they the same way? Right. Yeah, no pork. So, what does that mean? That means I'm not spiritual because I ate Tony's pork tenderloin. Matter of fact, it's almost like you'd like to go up to him and say, mm, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try not to do something. So is it all gone now? It's pretty well all gone. <laughs> so, that's the kind of thing that obviously we're talking about. Um, we can look at a few passages if we want. Or do we want to move on? Do we get the idea? Or do we need some verses well, you know to kind of support it? Well, just in case... Somebody puts a, a little bit of a guilt on you because well, we've, what we've you're eating this, or not eating. We've had, this in fellow, we've had Christian fellowship people that do this kind of stuff like this and then came in very rigid and they were trying to tell us that we were not being spiritual because we were not following the old law, Levitical law. Right. Yeah. Yep. And stuff like that. So we've had that in our churches. People do come in with those ideas still. So it is good to kind of... I heard the reason why they don't eat pork is because... Pigs eat anything and everything. Well, it was in the Levitical law way back in the day, but we've been set free from that. Well, and there was some really good health reasons for it too. Yeah. yeah. And today there can be, but if they're raised and, and then they're they're fed the right kind of stuff, right? Then now it's a, a totally different thing. And there's a lot. They're a lot more healthy. I would tend to think now than they were well, then. They but you want to use common sense. Exactly. You know. What's that? They have to be cooked right. Exactly. Right. No rare pork. Not like beef, right? <laughs> the hardest part for me is the sacrifice. 
happened to Aislinn. Because that is part of the Ten Commandments as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people, I think. I'm not saying that it should be considered something that if you if you do whatever you want to on a, on a Sunday, that then uh, then obviously you're not Fact, saved. He did address that. Yes, he did. It's been Paul addressed. I'll address that that we now worship on Sunday because that is the day Christ rose. That's not what I mean. That what I mean is just it says. Nobody to tell you what Let no men therefore judge you in meat or drink, blah, blah, blah. Or the, I shouldn't say blah, 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> or of the Sabbath days. Mm -hmm. And But I do tend to agree with those of, that, that oh, but, think that kind of, it should be so set aside part. more. Mm -hmm. as a, pay attention to God more mm -hmm. on this day. I put aside your mind. Well, it kind of is. I thought I just thought it was really interesting that in the secular world we have Saturday and Sunday off work. Mm -hmm. Still with us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Why? Saturday and mm -hmm. Sunday. And yeah. most didn't even work on Sundays until really, you know, our times. I mean, I can remember in the, in the 60s where I guess it was the blue law. Right. I mean, there weren't any. There's still that way. South Carolina? Still that way. Stores don't open until noon on Sunday. South Carolina is probably the most, maybe the most conservative state in the United States still yet. Uh, really close. But that may not be what oh. this means here. That may not be right. Well, I mean, when Christ came, the Pharisees were like, look at your disciples. It's the Sabbath and they're gathering grain, you know, and they're eating or... And then Jesus says, which one of you who has, you know, a sheep and it falls into a hole wouldn't work to get it out? Right. You know, wouldn't you work to get it out even if it was a Sabbath? And then he heals the man who had a lame hand on the Sabbath. And he says, you know, is it better to do good on the Sabbath or bad? You know, and the Pharisees obviously didn't answer. And so, you know, the Sabbath is for us. We're not for the Sabbath. And that's exactly what Jesus said. So, I mean... When Christ came and He fulfilled all the laws perfectly, you know. But what, what do you mean when you sit there and say that? You quoted that right, but what does that mean, Avil? It means that um, that to do good. The Sabbath is for. The Sabbath is for us to enjoy, to take right. time, and to rest, right. if possible. Right. You because know, today's society is not always like we know. Right. It's not always like that. A lot of places. Especially restaurants, mandatory work weekends. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why I can't get a part-time job, is because the mandatory weekend thing. It's like that's when I get my kids, and Chick I'm not yeah. sacrificing that. You've already drawn your line of saying, I, I am too. going like to honor can, that. Like you guys can have me the rest of the week from you know five to close, mm -hmm. and but they're like no weekends, no hire. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you guys are lame. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody I else didn't want to work here anyway. Don't even talk to me about working Sundays. Yeah, that's back a, a few weeks ago or months ago there that uh, he was trying to make up for some lost time working on Sundays. And he'd never done that before. But I think much he's, he tells that what he's really sitting there saying is to set apart one day, mm -hmm. like you said, they said for rest, or however you want to sit there and say yeah. it's, it's it's literally for you. It's good mentally, physically, and everything else 
from you to take a break from your work of whatever you do and have enjoyment. You do notice, yeah. though, that there is a lot of more family time on Saturday. And then when Sunday happens, there's just a lot more. Um, like, if you do try to hold to the Sabbath, kind of in a, in a like a spiritual kind of, I guess, religious way. You know, sometimes I do think that there's benefits to it. But like I said, like, if you can't have it on that day, you can always have it on a day. But then you've got to deal with also the scripture says that you're supposed to meet together. So you kind of have to go when everybody's meeting together. Right. <laughs> that right. goes back to your cup. Uh, yeah. I mean, we are also told to do that, which is set up for us as Sunday. And because it is established by our our area. Mm. Wasn't well, Sabbath? Sabbath really Saturday. On Saturday. It was Saturday. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's dealing with the seventh day. Of course, you go back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was the day of rest. That's where God had created, and then He rested. And that's what the Sabbath all came from right there. And, and it's commemorating setting that, that rest day, you know, for really for God. Mm -hmm. You know, a special day. Now, every day is a day of worship. We worship all the time. But a specific day. And that commemorates His rest there. And that's, that's exactly right. The passage of scripture that says um, it's in Corinthians or Romans, and it says that uh, one man regards one day as holy, another man regards every day as holy. Yeah. Uh, probably uh, you know, Romans fourteen, uh, maybe around. I think it's Romans fourteen. Uh, that's dealing with the drinking, the not judging people on what they eat. Right. Says, oh, yeah. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's not the same first that you had. Romans 14, is it, it says, uh, As for one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person only eats vegetables. Let no one, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? <laughs> yeah, so the same thing being there. It gets down to one person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord. Now you can just keep going. I tried to find a stopping point. Yeah. <laughs> it's all explaining just exactly what we're at. That's, and that's where it's at. And you used a word while ago. That's good because if you'll notice on your outlines, you'll see the word fulfillment. Do you, you remember when you said fulfillment? Not really. Christ. Well, you said Christ. Fulfilled. Oh. Or he used the fulfillment. Yeah. Is what you did. Yeah. Of all of those Old Testament laws and, and rituals. He's the fulfillment. So that's why we're not bound by the ceremonial law anymore. Christ has come and done that. Like, for instance, just the food thing. Uh, and, and then we'll move on our, on our day thing. But in John 6.41, uh, it's the day after. He fed the 5,000. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about Him. You know, they've been chasing after Him. They want to keep getting fed, you know. <laughs> because He said, I am the bread 
that came down from heaven. He's the bread. He's the bread of life. He is what we feed on. Well, obviously, we need physical food to eat on, but what is he saying more important than what they're looking for physical food? He can feed us, take care of us. What a system, right? We'll just follow him around. He can just go like that and we get food. He says, you have to feed on me. You have to eat of me. It's a, that's a spiritual sense. He fulfilled all of those dietary laws, food laws, whatever they may be. And so we get into the, the day thing. Uh, like, for instance, festivals. Festivals were evolved around once a year. You had the Passover. You had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You had um, First Fruits. You had uh, Pentecost. You had the Feast of Trumpets. You had the Day of Atonement. And you had the Shelter, or the Booths, Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles. And so there were seven of those. Christ is each one of those. He is our Passover. 1 Corinthians 5-7 says that. See, they... uh, I can imagine early in the days of the church, I'm sure the Jews are, are saying, "Okay, we, we got the, it's Passover time. Should we, you know, shouldn't we keep on doing it?" Well, no problem. It, that that's great. It's a great thing, but it's not a matter of what it was before. Yeah, it, it's a picture of salvation, and that's what it always was. But it's not a matter of obligation. I think in the Catholic Church they call it what. Days of obligation. How many of those do they have? A ton of them, don't they? Obligation. You have to be there. Of course, I don't know how they enforce it. You don't come to church. No, you have. No, you have to. It's a mortal sin on your soul. I just going to funeral. I cringe at all the lies. There's, you know, all the just blatant lies that. Or said, supposedly, you know, and it's like scripture just blows them away, and they don't even know it. And how do you deal with it? I just, I cringe every time I hear it, and then I just don't know how to deal with it. When you read through Colossians here, does it almost like reek of Catholicism in each one of these? The philosophy, you know, the empty deception, and then legalism. With the days and and what have you? Uh, uh, I mean, not to say that there aren't true believers still attending that that religion, but I just how easily deceptive they are. I mean, they've they've been so deceived. I know that if they are a true believer, they're not going to be judged by what the priest has misled them Mm -hmm. into believing and stuff. The priest is going to pay the penalty for for Lead the, the you know, the sheep astray. But uh, I just, there's, I so want to debate those priests every time. I say, you know, it's like grab my Bible and you said this. How'd you how does that jive with what God said? It's it's the total opposite of what God said right here. But that's but, not what He meant. Well, that's probably how they would come back. But anyway, it just. But no, they come what back. Gets me is they like, come back and they'll tell you a council where they discuss it and they decided that that's not what the right number no order says. Is what what they really mean. There's things that well, they, they changed Uncle Francis it. Okay. did in advance right. that he wanted for his funeral. Right. You know what scripture was on his tomb? 
John 3, 16. Mm -hmm. For God so loved the world. I mean, he yeah. was trying to say, even from his coffin, mm -hmm. but he, he had it all picked out. Nobody got to choose Good. what was there. He had already picked out which readings were supposed to be read. Mm -hmm. One from Isaiah, one from Romans, mm -hmm. and one from Matthew. The mm -hmm. Beatitudes. Of all things, I've never heard the Beatitudes read at a funeral, <laughs> Catholic funeral, but that's what he had picked out that was to be read at his funeral. Bless the door. To be honest, at most funerals, they you know really preach the Word of God anyway at a funeral. Great opportunity, isn't it? Great opportunity. Super opportunity. But I, I was just, it's like, oh, Francis, you're speaking to him for the <laughs> Dennis does. <laughs> Dennis does, yeah. <laughs> what else? What else is there what to say? What else can you say? What else say? I don't understand why that. This is the words there of it is, life. Right here. Yeah. Right. Well, I've had people object because pastors preach at a funeral. You've heard that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've not heard that. Yep. It's trying to convert people yep. when they're broken hearted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. They're just all broken up and in grief over their loved one, and he's trying to it's convert terrible them. what he did. <laughs> like Dennis said, it's if they want to go to heaven, don't you want to be there with them? Well, when Francis, when our father-in-law died, Annie had been reading to him from the Bible, and the brother and two sisters asked her at one point, just get out of here, take that Bible and get out of here. So she did. She, she left, and she left him alone, but Uncle Grandpa was listening to those verses. That's right. What was so funny is John came back after the funeral. The verse that was picked, the, they didn't get to pick because it was a Sunday funeral. So the priest picked what verse was going to be read. Mm -hmm. It was the exact one that Annie was reading to him like, when they told him to get out of the room. Uh, Wow. Mm -hmm. And Johnny, two sisters didn't catch it, but his brother Johnny caught it. Mm -hmm. And he came back and apologized to Annie. He mm -hmm. said, Annie, I guess somebody wanted to make sure Dad heard that before he died. Mm -hmm. yep. Proverbs says it's better to visit the, what is it, the house of mourning than it is the house of laughter sometimes. Mm -hmm. yep. I like to keep that in mind. That's right. First uh, Corinthians 5 7. Here's the deal about uh, fulfilling feasts. Here's one of the, the biggest one, one of their biggies is, of course, the Passover. That that was the very time when Christ was crucified. By the way, he, 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 they started off with cleaning out their house, the kitchen, getting all the leaven out of there. No, uh, nothing that would rise. No, it was yeast, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were to get it all out, clean it, and make it perfect. Every every household. Okay, look what verse 7 says. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. That would be your, what? Your leaven or your yeast. Just as you are in fact unleavened. What's unleavened? It's... It, it's re usually leaven. It represents sin, not always, but usually. In this case, that's what it is. If you're unleavened, it means that you don't have, you know, the sin is not, you know, the prevalent. It's not going to rise. And then he says, "For Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed." So Paul is saying, you know, that that Passover you're all familiar with, and he takes it off from the very outset. What they would do, clean out the leaven. So they would have the feast of unleavened bread. Christ is our unleavened bread, isn't he? Because 
Of course, we when we take the Lord's Supper, uh, I like what Psalm 11 always said. You know, you guys have heard me say it so many times, but it you know uh, there's stripes on that unleavened bread, and it's symbolic. But by His stripes we're healed. There are holes in there, it, it pierced through for our transgressions, and it's flat. It's not risen. It, you know, He was without sin. So it's a great picture of really who Christ is. It's the best picture we have. I find, I find there, the verse that says that those who partake in the, you know, the taking of the bread and the wine, who are like our believers, they condemn themselves, or those who confess Christ but still live in their sinful ways and they do it, they condemn themselves. That's why we have the... Yeah. That's well, really important. Yeah. It's time for people to reflect on that. Great time to examine yourselves, mm-hmm. all of us. You know. your... yeah. It's a serious thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure and is. And I don't. And I feel like some people don't. Because when I came across that verse, I was like, mm. I just stopped to really think about that and meditate on it. Like, I wonder how many people mm-hmm. are out there taking the Lord's Supper. And are because still everybody like, else is doing it. Uh, yeah. And they're still in their sins and they haven't yeah. repented yet. And like how some churches are like, everybody, come, take. And they don't even stop to like tell them that if you're a non-believer, stay. Don't partake in this because you're just going to condemn yourself. So stay where you are if you're a non-believer and we'll pray for you. and Hope that you'll come to know Christ and then you'll come and be able to partake. Yeah, Paul gave that warning in, in Corinthians about that. Very much so. So there's the fulfillment as far as festivals are concerned. Uh, new moons, that was the first day of the month. It was a special day of, that they would have, you know, celebrate those. And, you know, it's all popped over, all around the calendar. But uh, then the Sabbaths. And the Sabbath, we usually think of being the seventh day, which is Saturday to us. But it wasn't always just that. There were actually other Sabbaths. There were certain days during the week, uh, during festivals. That would be called Sabbaths also. Usually we think of that one particular day, which is most often the, the weekly Sabbath. But it actually represented, as Tony was talking about, it's the rest of God. It's, you know, the, God rested. And in the New Testament, it really became the seventh day where the church came together, um, the, which is really... You know, what is it? Uh, we, we think, so, well, the seventh day is Sabbath. We know that, okay? That's what, and that's what it means, the seventh. But, um, so really, it's the first day of the week that the church gets together called the, the Lord's Day. Uh, let's run through this just a little bit. Just in case you get challenged one of these days. I know I have many, many times, and I know why. Because, you know, it talks about the Sabbath so much in the Bible. And people are legitimate. You know, they're really, they want to make sure they, they get it right. And uh, I, I had a lot of discussions with people at the store about it. And most of the time it was, it was good. It was good conversation. And, yeah, yeah, we talked about it too. You wouldn't believe how many people, you know, raised that. And I questioned it too. First, I go, wow, well, we're not meeting on the Sabbath. You know, maybe that's wrong that what we're doing here, and but then you start looking at scripture and you say, oh, okay, uh, and we got to understand what Sabbath means, too. But uh, Revelation one, 
is uh, found in verse 10. Uh, not too upfront up here, but here's what John was doing. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It's the first time we ever see that. The Lord's day. What do you, what do you mean? Is that the Sabbath? Well, they never ever called Sabbath the Lord's day. So we'll use some other scripture to back that up. Uh, and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Uh, very last chapter of Corinthians. And here, uh, he's talking about the offering. And when they're supposed to collect, in verse 1, this, the, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, what's the first day? Well, that's what we know as Sunday. He's not talking about the Sabbath or the seventh day here, but the first day, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. And then he says, when I write, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. That's what they were going to do with the money and give an offering to them when they had, whenever he came there. And he said, when you meet, it's like when they meet together on the first day of the week, you know, make sure you take that offering. Of course, that's... That's a good just, way to start the week, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> great. We usually take on Mondays. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah. First day is, is well, the like, best well, day of the week. I hate Mondays. I'm like, well, you should have fun on Sunday. Not don't go out and party. You've got wasted the first day of your week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, there's what? Lord's Supper there, right? Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. He prolonged the message until midnight, and then he'd get into Eutychus. And I'm not going to get into that because I know we'd spend the rest of our time talking about Eutychus, who uh, fell out the window and died, and he got resurrected back to life. Okay. <laughs> it is a great story. He's like, they just left him there. He's alive. All right, let's go back. Let's continue. So when was this that when they came gathered together, the first day of the week? So we've seen the Lord's Day. John talks about okay. Then we got into uh, the Acts passage here, or the First Corinthians passage, and there was a special day. The church was already meeting when Paul was writing these letters. The church was already at first. When did they meet? They'd meet on the Sabbath because it's what they always did. You know, like on Saturday. But it got to where they were thinking, hey, we need a time when we can get together. A lot of people think it was like a few hundred years later because of the Roman Catholic Church and because of Sunday, kind of, you know, goes with the pagan worship and such. That that's how it evolved and it was the Catholics who started that. So therefore it's wrong. <laughs> But it started long before that. We see it right here in Scripture when it was when the church was gathering. Let's look up another one. Galatians 4, 10 and 11. Uh -uh. 
You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I've labored over you in vain. Okay, you know, there, in Galatians is a very uh, much of an address against legalism as, as any uh, epistle could be. I mean, it's the most of that, at that juncture there. But he's saying here, here yeah, you, you're, you're taking the days and the months and the seasons, the years. You're worshiping that, you know, and that's not what we're talking about. That's elemental things. If you were to back up a few verses before that, it's talking about uh, to knowing God and not all those rituals that they did. So anyway, we've seen a fulfillment of the festivals. Where's the fulfillment? of Sabbath. Hebrews 4, I think, is the best one. doesn't even mention any days of the week here, but it does mention what the Sabbath really is. And this is the one I always like to use. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 4. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, uh, where was that somewhere? Well, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. That's right out of Genesis, isn't it? And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest, which is dealing with uh, Joshua. There at the end of uh, 5 or Hebrews 3, verse 11 says, they shall not enter my rest. Okay, uh, that's actually out of Psalm, Psalm ninety-five, eleven. Uh, okay, so verse six. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, to enter what? His rest. And those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. See, he's comparing the Israelites out in the wilderness who did not go into the promised land. They died out there. Uh, disobedience. And so he's also taking that as a picture and saying, okay, there is a time that we are to enter into God's rest. That's when you become a Christian. Entering into God's rest. So, he again fixes a certain day. He said, oh yeah? Which day? Sabbath? Today, saying through David after so long a time, just has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Well, we've heard that. Here he talks about Joshua again. He's giving you the picture in the Old Testament. For Joshua, if he had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So they really didn't get their rest, did they? They entered into Israel, but that wasn't their rest. He says, if it would have been, then there would have been no other days to be speaking about. Here it is, verse 9. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. What's the Sabbath? Entering into his rest. That is really the ultimate Sabbath. He says, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall 
through following the same example of disobedience. He says, you enter the, the, the Christian rest, rest unto Christ. Out there in the wilderness, they didn't enter into God's rest. They died. They, they never could go in. Yeah. Concerning the Israelites that didn't enter into the rest, that died in the wilderness, they died because of their disobedience. But did God, His promise still, when they died and stood before the Lord and, and He judged them, do we know if He judged them and they didn't enter into His kingdom? Or did they still. It's up to individuals. To As a whole, it looks like. You know, you'd like to think, okay, these were God's people and He delivered them. It's all a picture of what ultimate deliverance is at the cross. You know, they started with the Passover. They had a, that was the first Passover. And so all of them were delivered. All the Egyptians firstborn were killed. Okay, were all those people believers? Well, time and time again, we see absolute disobedience when God was taking care of them. What happens? What, what about them spiritually? I can't give you a full answer. But I can say it's probably that they were never really believers. They didn't enter into the rest as this is saying here. How could they not be believers? I mean, the cloud and the fire by night. They got to see. They got to see. And the rocks spitting water out for them and manna dropping from How could they not be believers? Yeah. How could they not believe? They had it Where all around them. Where did they think all that came from? <clears throat> oh, they just, it, that just, <coughs> it's not, it's when it says they did man. not enter his rest, I'm thinking, how could they see and go through all of that? But that shows the, that shows and the then hardness. not believe. But that shows the hardness of man's heart. Wow. Without the, without God's grace. Well, I'm glad I wasn't in that. You remember place. when we were talking about yeah. it uh, last, or Sunday? Uh, during the time of the Great Tribulation, all the warnings yeah. that God gives. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. And, it, and, and the, they and still... It says, yeah, and it says at the end, they'll know that it was God. Yeah, and, and it comes back. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. They'll um, know it was Him. During the kingdom, you will have people that will not follow Christ. And they will rebel. And that's at the greatest revelation that God will ever give in this world. You know, in in, in the kingdom where he's there with them. And, you know, they're still going to rebel. Hearts are wicked. But then again, it was a whole generation. It was a whole generation except for Joshua and a few years. But they had the tabernacle, they had the sacrifices, yeah. mm-hmm. and there was a purpose for them. I, I can't see, I don't know, obviously I don't know, and, and everything is up to God, but I, I can't see their lack of, of belief at some point being afraid of the giants in the land or whatever. That that would be a be all end all if you're not coming in. But it could be. I don't. I know. think he just uses it. He uses people for examples of he all does, the time. But they I look can't like see an entire generation. But what they look like without him, what there, they will do. There was 
Well, back up, back up, and, and, and it's found in this whole chapter. But I can't say that everyone. Matter of fact, they had children that went on in, and, and there were you know that were older, and you know they went into the promised land. Eli and his two sons. I'm pretty sure in Samuel, First Samuel, um, the two sons were not good priests, and God says that He'll kill them. And, that they were wicked and that he would cut off Eli's household. And, um, and so the, the part of the reason I ask that is because God's promise to the Israelites. Right. I don't know, just and, he ke- and he keeps that promise. Yeah, he keeps his promise. But there's, just because they came from the promised... The promise. And being the people of the promise doesn't make every one of them believers, are they? Right. Uh, here's a good answer. It's in verse 16. For, and I, really, we need to go all the way back to verse seven. But we're in chapter four, and he's, he keeps saying, "Today is is this day." You know, enter into the rest. Today is the day. Okay. Well, here we go. Uh, verse fifteen says, "Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts." When they provoked me, now sixteen. For who provoked him when they had heard? Who did it? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, all, I don't think, means every individual. I have to be careful of that. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Now we're in, we're, we're in 17. And with whom was he angry? I'm sorry. Chapter 3. Chapter 3. Sorry. Nobody, none of us is sorry. I'm sorry about that. Verse 17. And with whom was he angry? For forty years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. As you continue into chapter four, the whole idea is the rest. Yeah, there was a physical rest that they would have going into the promised land. And it's a picture, but it's reality too. When you get into chapter 4, he is showing that that type of rest is now fulfilled in Christ When he's, in that passage we had read uh, earlier before we get into chapter 3 where he says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So, you know, I'm not going to make a blanket statement say every one of them that died out there, that whole generation. Right, and Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. And he didn't even go. So, So, you know, there's disobedience, and that doesn't make one an unbeliever all of a sudden. But I'm saying as a whole here, uh, it, it it seems like they're all saved, but that's the problem that the Pharisees and all of Israel had when Jesus came too. But here he's saying, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Uh, but, you know, to put a blanket statement, I don't think anybody really knows. I, I've heard discussions on this back and forth, but it's definitely a generation that was, many of those were still in disobedience, in rebellion. It's hard to imagine. Uh, but he keeps saying in, in Hebrews 3, do not harden your hearts. When they provoked me, they had hard hearts. And um, you know they tested God. 
and he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest, verse 11. So that's a pretty heavy chapter. And by the time we get into chapter 4, we go, what is the rest? What about us? And we find out, where's the rest at? It's in Christ, isn't it? And that's you know that that's the whole key, and that's really what we're really trying to hit on. So that's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. It's Christ. And yes, we do worship on the first day of the week. We can do it if we wanted to say, you know, everybody has to do things on Sunday. And folks, why don't we just go ahead and start worship on Saturday or Saturday night? Would that be wrong? No, not really. Or Monday night, you know. Tuesday, whatever. Well, we do do that. But we could do it any day that we wanted. But it was made that, you know, and, you know, we are to come together. That's the biggest thing. We have church on Wednesdays. And some people do that. And because of the time that we live and everything, could you do that and feel good with it? Yeah. But in in our church, Sunday's probably probably the best day. Saturday could be too, but Sunday everybody is off work. Mm -hmm. Or they make sure they're off work. Right. Right. You know, and if you already have it in your mind, it's saying, "Hey, I'm going to make sure that that day, no matter what, is special." And that's the idea there. But Christ is a fulfillment of it. Would it be kind of funny if we had service on Saturday and Bible study on Sunday? <laughs> so what's asceticism about? Hmm? <laughs> you have to wait until next week. <laughs> we didn't get to asceticism, did we? <laughs> we didn't even get to mysticism. Did we get the legalism? We could have got to asceticism, but for a bell. Our like, he's never going to yeah, get to yeah, this. Yeah. I've been dabbing in the Old Testament a lot. No, no, you thought, oh, I know how this works. He's not going to get to number three. Let's start there first. Just going to ask the question. Just because going to get that straight out. Two of them different order, right? Okay, we'll try to. Oh, I think we got to the legalism thing, and so we'll get to mysticism next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. It has been a good thing to worship you, to honor your word. And uh, Lord, may we understand you a little bit further. You are the completion, the fulfillment of all things. And uh, you are our Passover. And you are our Sabbath rest. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.